0: Welcome back to the Hokey Hangover Podcast. Sorry we didn't make an episode last week. We actually did, and it got screwed up during the editing process. But we are back today. I am Andrew Alex from ESPN Blacksburg, alongside me in the 757 from RickyLeBlue.com. You guessed it. It's Ricky LeBlu. How you doing today? I'm doing good,
1: buddy. Uh, technology is a, a crazy thing sometimes. It allows us to talk like we're doing now, and then other times it ruins when we get to talk, which is... Really unfortunate because we had a really good pod after the UNC game, and uh, now we kind of have to pack it all into one, which was a crazy, crazy bye week, and there's a lot to get into.
0: Unfortunately for all of you, Mike McDaniel is not going to be able to join us. He will be on for the next one when we preview Notre Dame, but we can't let the UNC game go untouched here, so we're going to go over a few things. The Hokies win in a thriller, a six-overtime thriller, the longest game in terms of overtimes in the history of the ACC tech pulls it out 43 to 41 a whole lot to get into but Ricky give me one word let's start off with one word one word to describe the Hokies win over UNC
1: so I think I used a different word when we actually recorded this the first time but now that I've been able to think about it more I think exhausting is a really good word to describe it I mean the amount of back and forth in that game not just the length of it but the amount of back and forth where it seemed like there were multiple times in each game that uh, each team really had all the momentum and had the game won, and as it turns out, they didn't. And it just was lead change after lead change in the fourth quarter, and then the overtime back and forth was absolutely uh, absolutely epic. And it's one of the one of the instant classics probably in college football. It's definitely one of the greatest games in Virginia Tech history, uh, and it's the kind of win that gives you. At least some sort of hope that this that this Virginia Tech staff and this Virginia Tech team is headed in the right direction. There's a lot to nitpick about this team. There's a lot to rightly criticize about this team, but uh, the the UNC victory in short really showed the kind of resiliency um, and and and, and stick to itiveness that this team has. Uh, we haven't always seen it, but it's there. And this team does have have some potential for all of their faults.
0: And Ricky, resiliency was the word I was going to use, or resilient for that matter. Given where this team was a few weeks ago, after the Duke game, just an embarrassment at home, having the fan base, the local media, even the national media shout out Kirk Herbstreet, having completely given up on this team, and with Fuente squarely on the hot seat, this team has just absolutely responded and if nothing else they have proven that they have not quit on this season and they have not quit on this coach a few weeks ago no one would have envisioned Virginia Tech winning this game given the trajectory that these two teams seasons were going in basically opposite directions at that time but Virginia Tech ultimately pulls it through and it it was certainly a statement win for Justin Fuente but Ricky I want to ask you you have been covering this team for the entirety of the Fuente era. Where does this win over UNC rank in the pantheon of Justin Fuente victories? That's a good
1: question. Um, I don't think the win is as big as the the 59-7 to 7 drubbing of Carolina in Lane Stadium a couple years ago. Um, that was kind of Fuente's signature win there for a while, given the fact that uh, he was recruiting against Carolina so much, and he absolutely just blasted them. I mean, UNC didn't even belong on the same turf as as Virginia Tech that day. Uh, I still think that's uh, Justin Fuente's most impressive victory, but also the Notre Dame win in 2016 <clears throat> where they come back from the deficit. they were They weren't favored to win that game, and the fact that they were able to come out. And now, as we all saw in the end, Notre Dame wasn't very good. Uh, but there was still a lot of talent on that roster, um, and beating them on the road in a come from behind scenario, I think was really, really impressive. There's a lot of of wins in Justin Fuente's tenure that have been impressive, and there's a lot of losses that have really been head-scratching or, 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 or underwhelming or disappointing. But uh, that game against Carolina will definitely go down as one of the greatest wins in Virginia Tech history, uh, and it certainly bought Justin Fuente some time, I think, in terms of keeping the dogs off of him, um, quieting people like myself who have been very critical of him this year. Uh, I, he he deserves a ton of credit for that, and so do the players. It was, a, it was an epic performance against a team that's either just as talented or even more talented
0: than them. Yeah, Ricky, and I would say I'd probably rank it a little bit higher. It's not the most talented team he has beaten in his time at Virginia Tech, but it was a game that he needed to win, and he pulled it through. You're not hearing much word about Justin Fuente being on the hot seat, at least for this season anymore. And at the end of the day, the Hokies control their own destiny in the ACC Coastal right now. This season could be salvaged, and I think it's salvaged to an extent, but Rick, before we go into the game, I just want to ask you this. I know you were a big doubter, especially after that Duke game of whether this bull streak would continue. What about today? Do you think the Hokies can keep that cherished bowl streak going? Well, if you look at it, the the math is, is on their side.
1: Um, they Right now, so they've got five games left. They've got to win two games. So they have to go two and three in this scenario. You have to assume that the – well, it, it's – I guess assuming anything in the ACC Coastal right now is a bad idea. But let's assume that Virginia Tech defeats Georgia Tech. Um That would give them the one of the the two wins that they need to get the seven wins, which again is the benchmark because for those who have forgotten, the second FCS win does not count. You're only allowed to credit one FCS win each year towards ball eligibility. So that means they would have to knock off one of these four teams, Notre Dame this Saturday, Wake Forest in two weeks in Blacksburg, uh, Pitt um, on senior day, and then Charlottesville – Um, when they take on Virginia for the Commonwealth Cup. Um, I think they're going to win one of those four games. I don't think it's going to be the Notre Dame game. We'll get into that more on the next pod. Um, I think Wake Forest is a potential option, given how bad the Demon Deacons' defense is. Uh, But we know how good that offense is, and Virginia Tech's going to have a tough time stopping them. I think the Pittsburgh game is is probably Virginia Tech's next biggest chance to, to pick up a win. Uh, on senior day in Lane Stadium. Uh, Justin Fuentes had relatively good success against Pat Narduzzi last year, notwithstanding. Uh, So, no, I I do think the chances are in Virginia Tech's favor to get to a bowl game. The Carolina win has really changed the entire trajectory of the season. Um, And if they're able to keep up this sort of uh, performance on offense, it's certainly going to give them... uh, at least a a decent chance to knock off each of the teams remaining on their schedule. Even if the defense has been kind of leaky continuously throughout the season.
0: All right. Now let's dive into the UNC game a little bit. UNC goes up and nothing, but tech does storm back and Hendon hooker played. I mean, if you look at the way it gets graded out on pro football focus in the time that he played, Hendon hooker was the highest graded Hokie on the field throughout that entire game. Now, Hendon Hooker gets hurt just briefly discussing the, the time that Hendon did play. Do you think that we've seen Hendon Hooker make it further strides towards being the starting quarterback that Justin Fuente wants him to be and that the Hokies were aiming for him to be when they made the switch from Ryan Willis?
1: Uh, Absolutely. He's been far greater than I think any reasonable fan could have expected. Um, He's, his accuracy is still a little inconsistent. He's completing less than 58% of his passes, but seven touchdowns, no picks. Uh, he has had the the turnover um, since he's been the starter. His passer rating is 175, which is pretty damn impressive. He's averaging almost 10 yards at, uh, per attempt. He's been kind of the, the quintessential Justin Fuente quarterback, right? He's a mobile guy who can uh, carry the load and and run the ball frequently, and he takes care of the football. And these were things that Brian Willis wasn't doing, and that's why he got benched and ultimately got benched again for Quincy Patterson once Hendon Hooker came out of the game. So I've had this discussion actually with a couple friends of mine who are also Virginia Tech grads, and one of them actually thinks that Quincy Patterson should be the starter going into the Notre Dame game. I think that's a bad idea. I think Hendon Hooker has more than earned this role. Um, And I I think right now he gives Virginia Tech their best chance to win, not just this season, but moving forward. Remember, he's a younger guy too. He's only in his third year in the program. Uh, This is his first year starting. This is a guy who has a lot of these raw physical tools that so many people want in a quarterback. And to take him out of the lineup when he's on a heater I think would stunt his development. If he's not healthy, then we can have a discussion about who's going to play quarterback. But uh, I think, at least given what you've reported, I know, and uh, from what I've read, it seems like Virginia Tech dodged a bullet uh, in terms of Hendon Hooker's injury and in his knee, and it seems like he's going to be okay. Justin Fuente is downplaying things, at least publicly. Uh, if he's healthy, I think he definitely needs to be the starter going into South Bend. And uh, if he's not, well, then it certainly needs to be Quincy Patterson.
0: For what it's worth, I do think that everyone should expect to see Hendon Hooker starting against Notre Dame. I've heard he's practicing. I heard he's pretty much good to go. It ultimately just ended up being a sprained knee. How lucky is that, Andrew? Like how, I mean, remember that picture of his knee? I mean, how lucky do you have to be? Just the image of the first thing you think is, like, oh, my God, it's not, your knee's not supposed to bend like that. When they keep showing yeah, up in slow yeah. motion, I mean, I mean, I tend to be a pessimist about these kind of things. I figured that's uh, probably it for the season or something like that. Like, that's an ACL. I think everyone thought
1: that. I think any reasonable person thought that head and hooker season was done. Uh, but as it as it turns out, at least from what we what we're hearing and – what we're reading, it seems like Virginia Tech dodged a bullet. You
0: know, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see. You know, good to play and a hundred percent are very different concepts. And when you are Hendon Hooker, who relies so much on your mobility, it'll be interesting to see how much this knee affects his play and, and limits him or 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 not against Notre Dame. But now, talking about what happened after hooker's injury Ryan Willis obviously comes in greeted by from uh, greeted with booze from the Hookie faithful Ricky can we just take a second to talk about how that's not cool
1: yeah it's not I mean I understand that tech fans are frustrated with Ryan Willis and disappointed that he didn't take the starting job and run with it this year but Um, booing the guy because he's coming into the game. That's a bad, that's a bad look. You know, I again, I understand you're frustrated, but you don't boo a guy, particularly a college student uh, who's coming into the game and uh, has given you everything he's got. Now, everything he's got hasn't been good enough, but it's not like Ryan Willis is, is bagging it and, and isn't out there putting forth the effort. So, I think Tech fans need to need to pump the brakes a little bit on, on the Willis, on the Willis hate. And I'm sure that it's not most Virginia Tech fans. I'm sure it's just a percentage. And every every fan base has those kinds of people. But anyone that booed Ryan Willis uh, as he goes into that game should really take a look in the mirror and 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 just realize how
0: how uh, how stupid
1: it is. Yeah,
0: no, it, it's just ridiculous. I mean, the, the kid already lost his starting job. But he comes in, throws a nice touchdown pass on a fade first play, so a little bit of redemption there. Ultimately, despite a three-for-three three effort, taking a long sack that leads to a intentional grounding penalty that ultimately takes the Hokies out of field goal range on one of the ensuing series brings Justin Fuente to make a, you know, what could only be described as a gutsy decision. He brings in third-string quarterback Quincy Patterson, who presumably did not get that many first-team reps, if any at all, in the preparation for this Carolina game. Ricky, take a dive inside of Justin Fuente's mind for a minute. What's going through this guy's head when he makes that call to put in Quincy Patterson? Well, it's probably that Justin
1: Fuente realizes what most fans have realized uh, throughout this season is that Ryan Willis just doesn't have it. I mean, he hasn't generated consistent offensive production. He hasn't been able to get the offense to move the ball consistently. And I think Justin Fuente realized that he needed a spark for this offense. And he also probably realized that Quincy Patterson is a lot better suited to run this style of offense that they've adapted to since Hinton Hooker has taken over the starting role. Uh, now, granted, Virginia Tech did heavily run the ball afterwards. Uh, Quincy Patterson had 21 rush attempts once he came into the game compared to just six pass attempts. So it was certainly a more run-heavy uh, run game plan once he came into the game. But Ryan Willis just isn't the answer. And again, he shouldn't be booed for coming into the game but he he isn't the guy. He's just not getting the job done. He's regressed. It is what it is. At some point you have to take a chance on the guy that you went and found out of Solorio in Illinois and a guy that you were in on first. I mean, remember, Quincy Patterson wasn't really a highly regarded recruit for most of his recruitment. He really didn't blow up until a couple months after he had committed to the Hokies. So Justin Fuente needed to take a chance on the guy that he brought into Blacksburg, and as we saw, Quincy Patterson certainly delivered.
0: You know, and Ricky, that's a very good point, just in terms of—I think that the whole Elite 11 video and just obviously the fact that he was in that final Elite 11— has kind of rewritten the narrative in an almost false way. Like you said, he wasn't very highly recruited. He became a four-star very late in his senior year. He was a three-star when he signed with the Hokies. The reason he was such a good story in that Elite 11 was because no one expected him to make that final 11 group. But were you surprised with what you saw out of Quincy Patterson? Uh, yes and no.
1: North Carolina's rush defense as we be covered uh, before the game is absolutely horrible. Uh, they 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 couldn't stop me running the football. It, it's really it's really bad. Uh, North Carolina had no idea how to slow down this Virginia Tech running game, and the Hokies just abused them with it. I mean, Quincy Patterson again, twenty one rushes. He finishes with one hundred and twenty two yards on the ground. Of course, that does include the big fifty three yard touchdown run that really. Uh, saved the game for Virginia Tech when it seemed like they were they were starting to fall out of favor. But um, Virginia Tech's offense is so much better when the quarterback is a viable and consistent threat to run the football. And Quincy Patterson is probably the best running quarterback on the roster for that kind of situation. Hennon Hooker is also a really good option, but Quincy's the kind of guy that can mix it up down there in the middle and and really churn out those four to five yard gains similar to what we saw Gerard Evans do in in year one in the Justin Fuente era. But I'm not – I mean, again, I'm kind of surprised that Quincy was as good as he was given the fact that, like you mentioned, Andrew, he didn't get any first-team reps. There's no way that Justin Fuente is giving his third-string quarterback coming into the week first-team reps. So he's coming in there with a limited package. It's a package that they probably only installed in August – And it's a package that there only includes probably 10 plays. And Quincy basically said as, is said as much after the game that they were running a lot of the same plays over and over again and just running maybe slight variations with them. So Quincy Patterson certainly impressed the hell out of me uh, in that game against UNC. And it gives me a bit more hope for him uh, given the fact that his development coming into this game seemed like it had been stunted a bit, but I think after that, uh, Tech fans rightfully should have some hope for him that he still is going to grow into a, a pretty productive college quarterback.
0: you think we've seen the last of Ryan Willis on the field for the Hokies? Um,
1: y- y- you never know in terms of injury, but I certainly think he needs to be the third-string quarterback. Uh, this offense is really taking off with Hendon Hooker at the helm Quincy Patterson is best suited to be his backup right now. Both of those guys have ceilings and upside that Ryan Willis wishes he could dream of. Uh, I I think it would be really, really bad to bring in Ryan Willis as the backup quarterback. He's just not the answer. Uh, He needs to be holding the clipboard on the sideline and look, he's an, he's an older experienced guy. He can help from the sideline. He's somebody who's seen all sorts of defenses throughout his career he's somebody who can help them diagnose things on the sideline and see things that maybe Hendon and Quincy Patterson aren't seeing. So I do think Quincy needs to be the backup. And um, if, if everyone's healthy, then yes, I do think Ryan Willis is, this is the last we've seen of him on the field uh, playing uh, for Virginia Tech.
0: Yeah. And it's unfortunate with Willis, right? Because he played pretty well last year. I think all things considered, but at the end of the day,
1: he did. He did. He's just not getting the job done. And I think he got a bit exposed as kind of a, almost a one dimensional passer, somebody who was really only good at throwing those fade routes. And it seemed like defenses have kind of keyed in on that this year. And it seems like he's actually regressed in terms of his ability to read defenses and, and pick up blitz packages. And we've just seen so many times free rushers come into the backfield. It's really really kind of surprising how much he's regressed.
0: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, once you get a year in an offense, right, when you've gone through everyone at least one time, they'll expose you for being a one-trick pony. And frankly, so much of the Fuente offense is predicated on that RPO stuff, which the people that have succeeded in the offense, see Gerard Evans, have done so well. It seemed like Ryan was just making the wrong decision over and over and over again, or at least just too much of the time Top that off with the propensity to turn the ball over. When your team is filled with youth, right, you can't have your fifth-year senior quarterback turning the ball over. This UNC game was an exception to that rule, but Virginia Tech's not going to win many games that they lose the turnover battle in.
1: Am I right? No, they're not. Their margin for error is too small. the The defense is not very good. The running game is really up and down. And it seems like it's only uh, up when they have a quarterback who's running the football well. So yeah, Virginia tech does not uh, have the ability or the talent to win these kinds of games where they're losing the turnover margin by one or two or even more. Certainly they're not going to win. They're just not that good. So Justin Fuente and and look, he's made an important point on this since he got here when his offense was excellent. Uh, They need to win the turnover margin. They need to take care of the football, and if they don't, they're going to put themselves behind the eight ball. This offense is so, so predicated on what we've heard from them all the time, predicted outcomes, putting the ball where it's supposed to go and and coming up with the most likely and the most manageable and beneficial play possible given the situation. Um, You can only make so much out of nothing. And I think that Hendon Hooker has really shown the ability to do that. He's not taking bad sacks. He's not throwing really many bad passes in terms of decision-making. Yes, its accuracy is a, a bit erratic, but uh, he's a younger guy who's still learning his way. So give it everything. I think Hendon Hooker has done just about everything we could ask for in terms of taking care of the football. And if he continues to do that, he's going to give Virginia Tech a chance to win just about every game.
0: So just to key in on a few key plays from that game, UNC runs that flea flicker-esque play, big touchdown, 50-plus yards to the house. At that point, Ricky, it seems like the game's over, right?
1: Yeah, it was one of multiple times when it seemed like the game was over. I mean, and this just goes back to how back and forth this game was. I mean, Virginia Tech's defense, again, is just has a lot of holes on that, on that side of the ball, and they're not very good. It, it just is what it is. Uh, I don't think we're going to see them get miraculously any better at this point in the season, uh, barring some sort of incredible change. But no, there, at, at that point, I'm sure most fans, including m- m- many of the fans inside Lane Stadium, expected this game to be over and expected Virginia Tech to be walking out with a loss. But as we saw, that wasn't the case.
0: Ricky, just to push back on that a little, I think the defense has improved. You look at guys like Jermaine Waller, Chamari Connor, and Caleb Farley, and I know Connor actually did not have that great of a game against UNC, but I do think you'd be honestly hard-pressed to find a better group of corners in the ACC Coastal now that Bryce Hall is done for UVA, and given how bad Virginia Tech was defensively last year, that's a huge surprise. You have true freshmen on the defensive line that are playing as well, if not better, than that defensive line unit did last year. And that, and that unit had Ricky Walker. I know he was banged up, but nonetheless.
1: Yeah, but they're, they're still – the the overall result isn't there. I mean, Sam Haltho's five touchdown passes. UNC's top receiving target catches two touchdown passes and has 112 receiving yards. Uh, Michael Carter on the ground has 91 rushing yards, averaging seven yards a touch. It, 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 there just isn't that much – overall production in in each unit of, of the defense. Now, the, Rayshard Ashby's been a godsend at linebacker, and I think we all agree with that. Yes, there has been, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, th- there has been some improvement in the secondary, but again, the overall results aren't there. Maybe they look better on individual plays, but they're still giving up these massive, massive plays through the air. They're still giving up a ton of yards and a ton of TDs and the, and the, the run defense is still inconsistent um, to this day. So I just, I, I don't think the defense is going to get that much better for the rest of the season. It's possible, but I just don't see it at this point.
0: Yeah. I mean, certainly there, there obviously has to be some relative level of, I mean, I wouldn't call it concern because the defense, they are, I mean, They're young experience there we thought they were But I mean at the same time it's still kind of annoying seeing them give up I mean what the, the lowest score total that they've allowed in ACC play is 35 points against Boston College and that's just it's not going to cut it but
1: no I mean they're they're 86th in scoring defense and hold on I'm, I'm going to look up the total defense as well because that matters as hell the not a yardage yeah They're 66th in in total defense, so they're outside the top 60 in both scoring defense and total defense, so neither of those are very good. Back to the game.
0: The Hokies respond with, I think, one of the most memorable plays of the Justin Fuente era, the Quincy Patterson 53-yard, you know, what looked to be just uh, a quarterback zone read that was well blocked, and Quincy hit the accelerator and boy can that kid run it looked like you know when you have a guy of that size with a head of steam at that speed it looked like the unc guys had no interest in even trying to tackle him honestly can you really think of any other plays in the justin fuente era that not only felt like they swung a game but perhaps swung the entire narrative surrounding the season and really the coaching staff as well uh
1: i really don't know uh, I'm sure that there are some candidates, but no, I mean that that play was just absolutely incredible. It it, it harkened back to Logan Thomas's big run against Miami, and I think it was 2011 uh, when when Virginia Tech ended up winning that game late, 38, 35, something along those lines. But no, Quincy Patterson at, at what 245 pounds, roughly. Uh, he he is an absolute tank, and and the way for the way that he's able to move like that is is pretty damn impressive. I don't. I don't even think uh, tech fans who were the highest on Quincy Patterson thought he was that fast. But it certainly broke open the game for Virginia Tech and put them back in it. And um, th- this is the kind of resiliency and fight that I haven't seen from this team at any point in this year until the UNC game. It seemed like this team was almost playing scared and and playing not to lose rather than going out there. And, and and fighting and attacking success. But uh, it, it's certainly an encouraging sign that a second-year guy who's done nothing but ride the pine is able to come in against an ACC defense and and have that kind of play and have the kind of performance he did
0: and, and even make a couple nice throws. In overtime, Quincy Patterson clearly showed he had the clutch team, especially on that, what was it, about fourth and seven, fourth and eight, Fade pass to Hazleton that kept the Hokies alive. They scored when they needed to. Yeah, fourth and seven, fourth and eight, something in that range. And that's a play that really stuck out to me. I mean, you have to understand that with Quincy, who didn't get that much preparation for this game, that playbook's going to be limited, but they ultimately dial up the fade. Hazleton makes a big catch when he has to, and it kind of set up what would end up being a magical night for the Hokies. A couple missed field goals later, And we are experimenting with the NCAA's new overtime rules. Be honest with me. Did you know of the rules going into the game? I did. um, I I was aware of the rules.
1: I'm not making it up. I promise. (laughs) I I promise I know what was going on. Um, But I thought it was really interesting how the referees had to kind of take time uh, to kind of let everyone know, all right, this is what we're doing now. Now that we're in the sixth overtime, we're just doing two-point conversions. I thought that was really interesting how they had to make sure or maybe they decided to make sure that the coaches knew exactly what the deal was.
0: An absolutely thrilling finish. The Hokies get their second ACC win. How has your overall perception of this team changed since the blowout loss to Duke?
1: Well, I I think the team is better than they were against Duke, obviously. Um, their chances of winning the ACC Coastal are higher I don't think that is as much to do with them improving as much as it is with this division being absolutely horrendous. It's, it's definitely the worst division in the Power Five. But it, 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 there, everything is certainly rosier in Blacksburg, and it should be. Uh, Justin Fuente has shown that he's able to keep these kids bought in and, and keep them headed in the right direction some of the players on the team have really taken it upon themselves to turn this thing around the fan base seems like they're back in it and, and somewhat energetic again after the UNC win. And they, and like you said, Andrew, they control their own destiny. If they went out, then they win the ACC coastal, which is a point that nobody thought they would be at including myself after the 45 to 10 loss to Duke earlier in the season. Now, Uh, The updated coastal odds, thanks to Andrew Adelson from ESPN, uh, in terms of the ESPN Football Power Index, Virginia is still the the favorite at 46.6%. I think that percentage is probably a bit high. UNC is actually at 34.5%. Pittsburgh at 10%. And then Virginia Tech at 7.4%. So the Football Power Index isn't expecting Virginia Tech to win this, but at this point, with the East Coastal, given how crazy and wacky this division is, uh, I don't think anyone would be surprised if any of the teams, at least in the top four or five in this division, come out and win the damn thing. Uh, it's an absolute clown show, and you never know what you're going to get next.
0: I mean, outside of the unlikely event of Georgia Tech winning games going forward, I don't think anything in this ACC Coastal could really surprise me at that point. But that's going to wrap it up for us on this very brief, very late UNC podcast. Well, we'll record it tonight. We'll probably release it on Thursday or Friday with a preview of the Hokies heading to Notre Dame. And we will be on top of things. As Virginia Tech heads into the stretch run of this season, that is not lost after all. Ricky LeBlue, say goodbye to the folks at home.
1: Later, everybody. Sorry we couldn't get this out earlier, but uh, we were excited to get it done. And uh, it's actually it's fun to have something to look forward to for the rest of the season. Virginia Tech season is certainly not over, and the next five games are going to be very, very consequential in terms of the future of this program.
0: Indeed, indeed. Well. I am Andrew Alex, and we will catch you all on Friday with another episode. Peace out.